Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. Welcome to this episode of the Center in the City podcast. This is another solo show, and I am talking today about how I prepare and plan for my silent meditation retreats. It's kind of fun as you are listening to this podcast, I will be four days into my silent retreat already. And so I'm just thinking of you as I record this listening and maybe thinking of me somewhere in the world and me thinking of you listening to it and just how interconnected we all are and um, so curious to to know what I will be experiencing in that moment and it'll be fun to know that you're getting some sort of peek and insight to where and what I'm up to. If you're not familiar, there are many different types and styles of meditation out there in the world. You can think of meditation as the category of sports. There's so many different types of sports out there, just like there's so many different types of meditation. And originally, I came from the school of mindfulness-based stress reduction meditation, which was created by John Kabat-Zen, who's considered the grandfather of Western mindfulness. And then when I did my meditation training at UCLA, their focus is on secular mindfulness However, a lot of the teachers and the wisdom that is pulled from those, that training comes more from what's called insight meditation. And insight meditation is a Western branch of what's called Vipassana meditation. And so there are many different centers around the country that hold different meditation retreats, meaning they focus on different types of meditation. And some retreat centers have a variety of teachers that come from a variety of different backgrounds. And some meditation centers are primarily for specific meditation heritages from a specific lineage. And I used to think that meditation retreats were not nonsense, but they weren't really necessary. I really came from this belief of make meditation 
a daily practice for myself and that's it. You know, I want something that's sustainable that I'm going to be able to incorporate into my daily life. However, what I came to realize is that when you're on a retreat is really when you get to give yourself permission to go deeper, to learn more. It's like going on a self-study exploration. And for some people, I know that can sound really scary or intimidating or like, I don't want to know what's in there, what's in that closet. But I love this. I, you know, self-development and learning about myself is one of my biggest values. And so I really cherish this time of focusing on myself. And it's not from a selfish place, but it's so that I can learn about myself, that I can heal myself on a deeper level so I can be a more present, loving human being in this world and then also be able to deepen my practice and deepen my teaching my teaching for the people that I work with, my students, my coaching clients. When preparing for a retreat, you know, the first part is selecting a retreat center and selecting a retreat. And I have only been to two meditation centers, so there are a lot of centers all across the world. One retreat center I've been to, which is in southern Washington called Cloud Mountain, really special place, kind of in the woods. It's a smaller retreat center. And then I've also been to Spirit Rock, which is a very famous retreat center. A lot of famous teachers teach there, like Jack Kornfield and... Diana Winston, who's one of my teachers, Joanna Hardy, Temple Smith, Philip Moffat. Those are just some of the names that come top of mind who are really well-known teachers in the insight meditation tradition. When thinking about selecting a retreat, I typically like to think of, okay, how long do I want to go away for? Do I want to go away for five days, three days, seven days, two weeks, a month? There are a lot of options out there. And I'm talking about pre-pandemic retreat life, not the current pandemic retreat life, which I'll talk about in a few moments. But I find a retreat that interests me. Time-wise, maybe there's a teacher I've been wanting to work with. Maybe there's a specific theme. I really just tune into my own wisdom, my own system, and ask myself, you know, what am I looking for? A lot of the times, I'm sure, not to your surprise, I love the retreats that really focus on body wisdom. So for a few years, I was going to retreat in Cloud Mountain called Body Wisdom, I believe was even the name, with a teacher named Heather Seddenberg. And it was really powerful. And I thought the second summer of going that, why am I going to the same retreat? It's probably going to be the same things. And some of the stories were the same. Some of the teachings were the same, but a lot was different. And maintaining beginner's mind, everything kind of felt different. Even though I've been to that place before, it was like I was experiencing it for the first time. So That just helped teach me that it's okay to repeat retreats because there's continual lessons and learning that can happen within those retreat themes and with specific teachers and with ourselves. So 
selecting a retreat center, selecting a retreat theme, selecting a retreat date, and you got to sign up. And there is never the perfect time. I think that's something to really remember for ourselves and how we get to prioritize our health and well-being. There's never a perfect time for vacation. There's never a perfect time to sign up for that yoga retreat or that meditation retreat we want to go on or to take those days off. This is where planning becomes really helpful. And so I signed up for this retreat months ago, the specific one that I'm going on to, and you got to just pencil it in. You got to block off that time because otherwise things are going to get scheduled and you're going to then feel like there's never enough time, but there is. You just got to plan ahead and block it off. Put those boundary lines around it. And so that's what I did. So I signed up for what's called Nine Bodies of Consciousness Retreat with a few teachers, one named Philip Moffat, one named Dana De Palma, and the other named Twery Sala. And I've only worked with Twery Sala before in a retreat I did online last year. And she was amazing and did a really powerful joy meditation that I remember that's really stuck out with me. And I believe I even have it on um, the Center of the City podcast in one of the old meditations. And uh, this retreat came highly recommended through one of my friends and fellow meditation teachers. Hey, Jason, if you're listening. And I just signed up because Phil Moffat is a teacher that I've heard great things about. I trusted the source. And without really investigation, I just signed up and blocked off those dates and they worked for me. And I was really excited to go on a longer retreat. I didn't want to just do a five-day retreat. I really wanted to take some more spacious time for myself and also challenge myself that I could be in a retreat longer than just five days. Now, funny little side note story that last year I had applied to be in a month-long retreat for the month of February or March of 2020. And I got a kind of intuition hit last summer that this was my time to sign up for this meditation retreat to give myself permission for a month long, you know, when else in my life before I have kids am I going to have this ability to step away, to deepen my practice and grant myself this experience. And my husband was very supportive, kind of, we both were a little skeptical, like, oh my God, can we be away from each other for a month without talking, without communicating? But we just kind of put that off to the side and I applied and it's based on a lottery so I didn't know if I was going to get in. So fast forward a few months, I got in to the February meditation retreat, the month long. And they say you have 24 hours to confirm your spot, send in your deposit, let us know if you can make it. I couldn't for February because I had been hired to do a speaking engagement and that was important to me to advance my career and it was a commitment I already made and I didn't know if I was going to get into the February one so I had to pass and just say you know it wasn't meant to be and then my husband and I were planning to go to Buenos Aires Argentina for the month of March because again I didn't really think 
I was going to get into this month-long retreat. I had this opportunity to go work down in Buenos Aires, and it just sounded like the perfect time for my husband and I to try this kind of hybrid, international, Seattle lifestyle that we're working on living. And we hadn't bought our tickets yet, but kind of the tentative plans were already set. And I find out I get into the March month-long retreat. And this was it. This was a moment where I had kind of blocked off the whole month. And I said to my husband, like, what do we want to do? And he was really excited about going to Buenos Aires. So was I. And so I was like, you know what? This is not meant to be. Like, I can apply to this again next year. It seems like it's actually possible to get in. So I kind of set that free. And then, you know, long story short, we go down to Buenos Aires. We're there for two weeks. The pandemic hits. We come back. (laughs) And now we're here. So I always look back and wonder, you know, if I had chosen a different road, if I had done that month-long retreat, would I have known that a pandemic was happening? I never really heard if people who were in that retreat found out or not. So it's kind of always just a interesting insight to sit with like the thing that you think would never happen kind of happened and (laughs) you know you're in a meditation retreat and a pandemic is going on outside and around you anyway I digress so coming back to this conversation about retreat prep so I've got the date got my teacher now I want to think about the place and space that I'm doing this virtual retreat in you know, pre-pandemic days, you would be going to a retreat center and the retreat centers are really special. Some are a little fancier, some are more rustic, but they take care of you. It is comfortable enough. You know, you bring a sleeping bag or sheets and pillows. You have roommates typically, or sometimes you can ask for a single or, or apply early enough and get a single. The food in the retreat centers are typically really clean and and healthy and vegetarian-based. It's just so nice to simplify life. And when you're on retreat, you have a job. Everybody has a job to help keep things flowing and moving and being of contribution and, and helping each other and to create a loving experience for everybody. So some jobs could be something like helping the chef prepare dinner or lunches or helping clean up or helping put food away or restocking the teas or sweeping the the uh, dining hall after meals or trash duty, whatever it is. There's so many different jobs. But that's your little contribution to this community that you're part of. And it's actually really helpful to have a job on retreat because it's something that gives you some purpose, some sense of contribution and generosity. So since I will not be going in person to a retreat center, this retreat is still online. And I thought about it for a while. It's a week long. I thought maybe I'll rent an Airbnb. You know, maybe I'll just do it at home. Kind of went back and forth a long time about what kind of place and space did I want to create for this month long, or excuse me, week long. Because I really thought about staying in my house for a week to do this felt so distracting, especially after being in the house for 
almost a year and a half. And I uh, asked my community if they had any cabins or second homes near Seattle that they were that were available for the dates that I'm gone. And my friend Martin, so shout out to Martin if you're listening, offered his lovely cabin up in Clay Allen, Washington, which is about two hours from Seattle. So that's where I will be doing the retreat. Now, my husband is going to join me, which creates a little bit of complication because I didn't feel comfortable as a woman going up to an Airbnb or somewhere secluded for a week by myself. It just felt very vulnerable, especially I don't love driving. So the idea of being isolated somewhere without a car, if there was an emergency or something, just didn't sit well. And I thought this was a beautiful experience to also offer my husband opportunity to participate in the meditation retreat as well. So we're both going up. He, he will be working remote and I will be in my silent retreat. And let me just say that this last year I did a couple week long silent retreats and we tried to be silent in our house and it didn't work. It worked for maybe like six or eight hours and I totally broke the silence. I remember there was a really beautiful like morning walk that we went on together in silence. And it was a walk we've done hundreds of times, especially during the pandemic. And because we weren't talking, there were so many other things along the walk that I was noticing. And it was so cool. I was like, wow, I'm here in this neighborhood. I'm always in. I'm holding my husband's hand. We're silent, yet I feel so connected and then feel so connected with my environment as I'm noticing all these new things. So the silence of being together was really beautiful, but it was really challenging and we broke the seal. So for this retreat, I am trying to not put heavy expectations on ourselves that we will stay silent the whole time. So once the retreat schedule is published, I'm going to share it with him and we're going to designate some specific times where we can have mindful communication. Otherwise, we're going to really honor the silence between each other. And we'll see how it goes. I've never done this before, so it's all just an experiment. As we prep for the retreat, I want to think about what kind of food do I want to eat on retreat? You know, I like, I mostly eat vegetarian based. I definitely still eat meat, but we won't probably be cooking meat while we're there. So have a lot of beans and rice or quinoa and beans, a lot of veggies, a lot of salads and minimal snacks. That was one of the things I loved about going on retreats is that there wasn't my pantry to just snack at. There was designated meals and I made sure just to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate between all the meals and our sits and my body just felt so good. One of the things I also do in preparation for the retreats is I go off of coffee and caffeine. I love coffee. Love, love, love coffee. But I really think it's healthy for my system to have at least a few weeks 
where I'm not drinking coffee. I just feel like it balances my system back out. It helps, you know, my liver and my kidneys. It helps with hormones. It's just like a really good reset. I also don't love to be on caffeine when I'm on a retreat because then I feel dependent on it when I'm sleeping. And I feel like going on retreat is just about coming back to baseline within myself. I can remove any substances that alter with my baseline I'm going to. So that of course means no alcohol while on retreat as well or drugs. I also try not to even eat sugar while on retreat, which is really hard for me because I love sugar and chocolate and sweets and to me that's part of life. But on retreat, I don't even crave them. They actually kind of nauseate me. Even some fruits are just too sweet for me. So I try to wean all of that out before I go on retreat so that I'm not having cravings while on retreat. It's kind of like I detox before the retreat. Uh, So currently, as I'm recording this episode, I just got off of coffee and I don't get super bad headaches when getting off coffee, but I did the first day and I now currently am on day three, I'm on day four, feel just tired, you know, just really sleepy and especially it's a rainy Seattle spring day and so I'm just feeling that kind of sleepy, cozy energy and I would really love a cup of coffee so I'm just noticing that craving, being with that craving and having a lot of herbal tea. Some of my favorite herbal tea is nettle tea or this detox tea or this chai probiotic tea is really yummy. I'll link those in the show notes so you can see what my non-caffeinated favorite teas are. And while I'm on retreats, I even notice how much more gentle I am with my movement and physical activity. I try to go on walks every day, maybe 45 to 60 minute walks, do some morning stretches or yoga or Pilates or some combination. But I'm not doing any heavy weights. I'm not running. It's really about slowing down and turning on that parasympathetic nervous system, really trying to activate that restful nervous system. And I remember when I went to my last in-person retreat back in summer of 2019, the first few days I just felt my nervous system like a jittery wire. I just felt myself sitting there and like there was this internal shaking and this shaking kind of over the whole body vibration was just so activated and it was the first time I could really feel what my nervous system felt like. Like, oh, that's when I'm in a sympathetic state. That is when I am activated and that is typically what we are like in our modern day world unless we are really intentional about slowing down and putting a lot of pauses and pace modifications in our schedule. This natural pace that life just brings us to. And 
connecting to that rest and digest stage of the parasympathetic nervous system is just so amazing. And that to me is kind of the bliss that comes post-retreat. Now, I'll just say caveat, not all retreats are blissful. I definitely in this last in-person retreat in summer 2019 also dealt with some dark things that came out and it was really challenging to sit with. And that was also part of the practice, was just being with it. And because it was the same retreat I went on the year prior, I even noticed my mind had the same expectation, like, oh, I'm going to really love doing walking meditation in this place on the property because it was really special last year. Or I really loved having this routine, so let me just sink back into this routine. I even noticed how my mind wanted to attach to those habits I had established and those experiences I had already had. And so that's also part of the practice is like not having those expectations, not creating those future assumptions. So this retreat, I am bringing my yoga mat and probably a light set of Bala ankle weights that I use and a band, a resistance band, and that will be it. And I am not going to watch any Centered in the City videos or any other fitness-inspired videos. I'm really untangling from all technology and just get to listen intuitively to how my body wants to move and be. I'm going to be turning my cell phone off. And the only thing that I will be connecting to is Zoom and using my laptop for Zoom. And that is where the teachers will be doing our virtual retreats. I've done other online retreats where everybody's had a square, and then I've also done some virtual retreats where it's just the teachers that are present more in a webinar format. So I have no idea what this retreat setup is going to be, and that's part of the fun and experience. Also, as part of the retreat, they have small groups So that's an opportunity where I can speak with the teacher or share in a group setting if I feel called to. Otherwise, I just get to practice mindful listening and and holding space. But I'm really excited to not look at social media, to not look at my email, to just give my eyes a rest. And even though I'll be using Zoom, it's not like I have to stare at the computer. It can be off to the side and just really be listening to the audio portion of Zoom. So I'm excited. When going on silent retreats, the typical rule of thumb is no technology. So most retreat centers ask for people to turn their technology off or hand it in if if the individual doesn't feel like they have enough self-control to not turn on their phone or not text or communicate with somebody. So the office or somebody will hold it. I have pretty good self-control when it comes to this. So I'm excited just to turn my phone off, not bring any books. In retreat centers, they ask that you don't read, that you don't write. You can, um, I've had one teacher say, and I think I've shared this before, but reading is reading somebody else's story and writing is getting caught up in your own story and the practice that you're here 
to practice is being the present moment, to not be in the past, to not be wrapped up in somebody else's. So that is a general rule of thumb that I follow. However, I know myself as a learner and somebody who needs to digest information. And so during the Dharma talks that the teachers give, I will typically take notes in my journal because that's just how I learn. I can hear it, but I need to write it down in order to really process it. And I also love going back after my retreats to really reflect on what I learned, uh, what nuggets of wisdom really stood out to me, what um, is still sticking with me, you know, a week later or so. I try not to journal, meaning I try not to do my typical journaling of word vomiting, every thought and feeling I'm having. If I notice I'm really struggling with something or feel a really big urge, I'll try to sit with it for a little bit and then maybe grab my journal. But that's how I balance it out of not trying too much to get caught up in my own story and allow myself to be present and also support my learning habits and my best practices. What I've learned as some best practices for myself post-retreat is to ease back into life since I will now have been untangled for seven days. I'm debating about taking off the Monday or a portion of the Monday when I return just because I know how overstimulating it can be to re-enter. And one of the things that I try to be mindful of is when I decide to turn my phone on. So in previous retreats, I've needed to travel back, meaning I've needed to coordinate a ride or to let my husband know I'm on my way or some need GPS or whatever it is that I've had to turn my phone on right after the retreat and hearing all of the notifications, the, you know, ding, 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 and all of the notification images just pop up on the home screen is very overwhelming. I also just notice how the screen hurts my eyes, just how much more sensitive my eyes have been. And it's funny because on retreat, the most stimulating thing you're really looking at is a tree or a bird, you know, some piece of nature. And so you just can sense how intense the technology is, how fast it moves, how bright it is, and just how it kind of pierces the brain a little different. So this time post-retreat, since I'll be with my husband, I will try to wait as long as I can to turn on notifications. Maybe it will be late Sunday night or I'll even wait till Monday morning. But I'll really do my best to slow into that process and also tell myself that I don't need to respond to every email or every text. It's also really helpful to have an away message that lets people know where I am and that I will not be following up with them and that they can join me in a mindful moment and listen to one of my meditations on the podcast or in the Center in the City platform. And I normally take like one or two days to start 
drinking caffeine again, drinking coffee in particular. So we'll see what happens. I really just am so much more in tuned with my body, what it's hungry for, what it wants, that I just let it guide me. And sometimes I notice in the past, I've been like, oh yes, I'm done with retreat. I can have sugar now. And I'll just start to eat sugar. And I'm like, why am I eating sugar? My body's not really craving it. It's just because my mind is like, oh, it wants what it couldn't have before. And so that's something to notice that I've done in the past. So I'll try to be mindful of that transition this time. I also just am more conscious of my words after not speaking very much for seven days and taking that break, learning to choose the words carefully and how to listen more is really the practice that's present and learning how to articulate my emotions and share that with my husband or anybody else around me is also a practice. But again, who knows how I'm going to feel after this retreat because that's just in the future. So I'm really just projecting on my past experiences and how I can best support myself and what I think will be my re-entry plan. But I get to be present with myself and be in the moment and do what's best for me in that moment. So I will keep you posted. One of my reasons for wanting to share this prep of going on retreat with you all is because I think it's really important, especially after this year and a half we've had and as life is starting to open back up and maybe even the pace of life is starting to pick up, how you can give yourself a moment to untangle from it all. And maybe that's just turning your phone off for one day over the weekend and not looking at your computer. You know, maybe that's even just an afternoon. Can you step away? You know, whatever you can grant yourself to untangle from technology is really helpful. I noticed that even just camping the other weekend and not having my phone for 36 hours, 24 hours, whatever it was, was just so freeing. It helped me feel so much more present with my husband. I just got to focus on nature. Life was simple. And it's like, oh yeah, let's bring more of that into our life because the more we can practice that, the more we can bring the essence of that into the busyness of our life. And so the busyness isn't the default. We're sprinkling it in with that sense of slowing down, with that sense of presence, with the sense of detaching from the pace, from the rhythm, from the automatic habits that we are so ingrained in. So whatever you can play with, I just encourage you to join me on this virtual journey, however that gets to look for you. Maybe you want to sign up for Centered in the City and join for the seven-day free trial and use all the resources and design your own mini at-home retreat for a day or two or seven days. Maybe you want to sign up for a retreat yourself by looking at the Spirit Rock website or Cloud Mountain. I'm not sure if Cloud Mountain's back up yet, but definitely resources to check out and 
where can you carve out that time for yourself? Or maybe you want to sign up for a group and join a weekly group where you get to practice meditation together. And maybe that's your moment of untangling, of putting the phone and technology away. Or maybe you and your family want to just have an evening without technology and play board games and really sit with each other and connect and talk. So whatever it gets to look like, there are no rules. There's no idea of what's perfect. It's you just getting to play with what feels right. And if you do it, I would love to hear what your experience is like, what you're learning, what you practiced, or what you're wanting to practice. And I'm sure I will do a post-retreat solo show episode. So if you have specific questions or requests, feel free to contact me. I'll put my contact information in the show notes. Contact me and send me your questions, send me your requests, and I will do another solo show about my post-experience from this meditation retreat. So thank you all for joining me as I got to share and reflect on this experience. And until next time, stay centered.